As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless as he talks to successful real estate professionals and ask them to share their best advice ever. From deal syndicators to wholesalers, flippers, property managers, pest inspectors, and everyone in between. It's the best ever advice and none of the fluff. Let's go. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and today I'm with Mike Jennifer. Hello, Mike. Hey, Joe. And uh, a little bit about Mike. He, as I was, I was just on your fancy new website. I, by the way, I, I really like it. Um, right. <laughs> I, you know, Mike is a experienced and seasoned uh, lender. He's a, he works at. He's actually the principal member of Blue Mark Capital. Um, and I'll let you tell a little bit more about Blue Mark Capital, but. You, he has 25 years experience in the industry and has generated over one billion—that's with a B—dollars uh, of permanent and construction loans um, over the last 25 years. Um, so, with so with that, Mike, can you tell us you know a little bit about yourself uh, so that we get to know you personally a little bit, and then also uh, about your real estate investing background and, and lending specifically? Uh, yeah, as you pointed out, I'm a principal of Blue Mark Capital, which is a mortgage banking company housed in Cincinnati. Uh, started this company oh, about uh, eight years ago now. Prior to that, uh, was with uh, a capital markets group at a local bank, and prior to that, uh, uh, with a company called Vanguard Financial, which I was instrumental in, in growing prior to uh, selling that institution to a bank. So for the most part, since I graduated college, in one form or another, I have been in the finance arena, mostly in commercial real estate, uh, Toledo, Ohio, Cincinnati, and and parts beyond. Uh, you know, our company uh, facilitates the closing of permanent market loans, generally being a million dollars and above, generally terms of 10 years or more in duration for institutional lenders, uh, life insurance companies in particular. So 
blue mark uh, and our responsibility is in representing those lenders, going out and finding the loan, structuring the loan, assisting in the closing of the loan, and then we administer that loan on the lender's behalf, typically over its life. So uh, Bluemark, uh, while it's an eight-year-old company, for the most part, it's it's a company that uh, has been in the making for the better part of 40 years. Uh, we have a portfolio of uh, about 650 loans and about $1.6 billion uh, of principal outstanding. And uh, when you look at what we do, in a sense, uh, we're representing an investor that's making a loan. And when you look at the capital required to uh, to put a real estate or a commercial real estate deal together, generally speaking, you're going to have an equity piece of around 25%, and you're going to have a debt piece of around 75%. Well, we put that debt piece together. And we consider ourselves investors in a mortgage uh, that's collateralized by real estate. So what makes my position unique in looking at commercial real estate is uh, I have to value, I have to assess cash flows, I have to assess all the components of a good real estate transaction, and then basically build a partnership between an investor or an equity player and a mortgage investor. So really that's my role, and that's been my role for 20-plus years. I look at a lot of real estate transactions to get a few of them done. So even though you can look at our website and you can see that, yeah, Mike's done a billion dollars worth of of lending you know, over his career, to get there I've probably looked at four or five billion dollars worth of transactions. So my experience is fairly broad. It's interesting that you say your investors in a mortgage that's collateralized by real estate. I that's a that's a fascinating perspective, and that makes a whole lot of sense coming from your angle. And that also um, is would be beneficial for investors to keep in mind as well whenever they're bringing not only you but. You know, any any uh, institution where they're trying to get financing from, if they think about it that way. Well, yeah, and that's how I kind of address it with with my clients. Uh, uh, when you look at the, so you have these two parties at the table, you know, and and one's a debt player, one's an equity player. The equity player, their return requirement for that transaction is most likely, or, or preferably in the double digits. So you, you you have a real estate investor that says, yeah, you know, I'd like a cash on cash return of 10% or 12%, whatever. And, and then you, and that's for 25% of the deal. And then you look at the opposite side of the table and you see the debt player. And the debt player today for a 10-year deal is getting a 4 to 4.5% return. So one would think, looking at that relationship, uh, that there would be a, a, a somewhat adversarial situation, but in fact, it's not. In fact, both parties very much want the real estate to perform so they can get their respective returns. And my job is, 
like this marriage counselor that puts these two parties together and hope they get along because if they're both successful, uh, the real estate investor, the owner of the property is going to do the next deal and the lender that I coordinate putting in place is going to want to do it as well. So it's kind of relationship building. It isn't adversarial. It is It is very much uh, 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 the interest of both parties to do a, a successful transaction. The lender just wants their return. Uh, the borrower just wants to be left alone and have as much flexibility for his real estate deal as he possibly can. And I'm just the guy in, in between trying to put it together. As a marriage counselor. Well, somewhat, somewhat. I mean, and, and there are situations, Joe, that that uh, uh, it can get contentious, and and uh, you know, we're facilitators. You know, if we do our job well, we're educating both parties as to what each wants to accomplish in a transaction. And there is a middle ground. It's finding the middle ground. And like like any relationship or marriage, you know, it's going to be at times pushing and pulling and. And uh, that's okay. We we manage through those situations. I'm and I'm hoping that you have a better success rate than the typical American marriage of fifty percent. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I guess uh, when you look at our ratios, and of course we just reemerged from a, a fairly severe cycle, and and when you look at the concentration of of our portfolio, largely being in Ohio, Indiana, uh, and Kentucky. You know, our success ratio was better than 99%. Even in the worst of the worst times, our portfolio uh, did not exceed 1% delinquent on our entire portfolio. So we're pretty good marriage counselors. Uh, We know how to put deals together, and uh, we are now leveraging that success as we reemerge and there's more business to be had, we're we're uh, tapping in on the credibility that we've achieved during a very tough time. So yeah, we're pretty that, good at what we do. To help me, that's that's fantastic. Help help me put that into context. What what's the industry standard? Well, uh, it depends on the industry. If you look at the banking industry, uh, the banking industry probably exceeded. 5% delinquent during the worst of the worst. Uh, the okay. CMBS, CMBS or securitized industry approached 7%. And then you can slice that further and you can say uh, uh, hospitality, uh, hotel, motel lending at one time exceeded double digit uh, delinquency, you know, and, and, and so forth. So when you look at a fraction of 1%, uh, our lenders were happy enough where in 2009 through 2011, uh, when a lot of institutions were not lending, the banks were not lending, uh, CMBS had imploded, they were gone. There were no CMBS lenders left. The only game in town was a life company guy like myself who stuck to good real estate good sponsorship and made good loans and didn't get caught up in the froth of of the bubble, so to speak, and just stuck to what they knew and did good deals. And, uh, you know, we kind of kind of just cruised through it without much uh, heartburn. 
Right. So in perspective, there were a lot of players on the sidelines watching, and we were still in there digging in for deals. Uh, and as right. you can imagine, the, the laws of supply and demand were in play, and and yep. those lenders that were in doing deals uh, were, were uh, you know, Picking the low-lying fruit, they were doing the the, the lower leverage, uh, quicker amort deals with with the right sponsorship, and and uh, you know in our worst year we still did a hundred million dollars worth of of business. So you know we we are quite proud of that record and and of our credibility. So so the the, the takeaway is that you are qualified to give some best ever advice. <laughs> well, I'm I'm most definitely qualified. Yeah, I, you know, I, uh, it, if you make a good loan, uh chances are it's a it's a good real estate deal. It's a good right. it's a good investment for both parties. Um you know, uh and uh again, we we look at a lot of business to uh uh to to pick a few out and and have success in getting them booked. So all right. Well, with, without further ado, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, uh, that's a good question. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna respond really, uh, and I'm gonna give two pieces of advice. Uh, and the first and prominent one, and this, if I were challenged to pick one of the two, I would say there's no there's no substitute for good real estate. And and what I mean by that is. Uh, you can, as a residential user, you have to have a place to live. Everybody has an opinion on what a good residential real estate property looks like. If you're a family of four, it might be, you know, a four-bedroom home on a cul-de-sac in suburban Cincinnati, okay? And you have that opinion. Well, you're looking at that deal from the perspective of the user, you got a couple kids, you want to be on a cul-de-sac in a good school district. So those are your qualifications as to what a good real estate deal would be for a consumer. The same application is for commercial property as well. So what investors need to concentrate on is what are the real estate characteristics and what are the users going to be looking for? And when you pick any of uh, the 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 asset classes, whether it's industrial, whether it's retail or apartment or office, the you have to be looking at that real estate deal from the perspective of the user, and it and in nine times out of ten, it's going to be the real estate characteristics that are imperative to that user. So to define that further, let's say it is a retail transaction. And uh, uh, the user's going to want demographics, uh, expendable income from their patrons. They're going to want traffic count. Then they're going to want visibility. They're most likely going to want that retail center that's perpendicular to the main road that has great visibility and great demographics. So in that case, when you stumble upon that piece of real estate and you and I drive up and down the street all the time and and we will patronize those properties that that capture our attention and so the users are going to want those characteristics for that retail deal now on the flip side if it's that 
if it's that retail deal where uh, the property is not perpendicular to the main road, it's mid-block, there's no lighted intersection, there's tough ingress and egress or getting in and out of the facility, and there has no visibility, uh, chances are the rents are going to be lower, the returns are going to be worse, and the volatility of that rent roll is going to be more prominent. So you and I can drive up and down the street and we can point at property after property saying good, bad, eh, in between. Uh, so my advice is if you, if you stick to the good real estate characteristics today, 20 years from now, very likely 20 years from now, the real estate characteristics for that piece is going to be just as good. So if you're a long-term player in the commercial real estate market, focus on the real estate cap characteristics and focus on what the users are going to be looking for for that prime piece. Uh, so that, that would be uh, 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 paramount. That's that's number one. But But really... Number two, and close behind that, stick with what you know. Uh, and and I've seen I've seen mistake after mistake of real estate investors that happen to Joe. They spin magic on their first few deals, and and let's say it's uh it's an office building you know they they buy an office building right they get it stabilized they they make they make money and it just hums along nicely they buy the second one the third one they get to know office buildings really well they get to know those brokers that market those users what those users want what those users are willing to pay and then they see a mobile home park and they say to themselves, dude, man, I, I can go spend some magic on that mobile home park. And I think I can get really good returns. So their whole makeup, their whole program has been office buildings. And then they switch it up because they get a big head and, uh, uh, and they go off the beaten path and they try to spend the same magic trying to deal with mobile home park tenants and it's a whole different animal. And so a close second would be stick with what you know. And this is this is this is pretty important to uh the the novice investor, the first time investor. You know, live, eat and breathe that deal and and work it hard and uh and then stick with what you know and, and move on to the next deal. Um that would probably be counter to a lot of opinions that would imply diversification is important. Uh, right. I'm not going to I'm not going to debate that, Joe. Uh but but again, I I'm in a unique situation because from where I sit, I see the exact numbers, you know, uh I see the the performance of a property year in and year out. I know how the good people make money. And I know how the bad ones lose money. Uh, and more often than not, they go outside of their comfort zone and take a flyer on a deal, and it comes back and bites them in the ass. And that's what I see more often than not. So those, those, are, those, are, those are basics, you know. Yeah. Those are what I would uh, recommend. The, the, those are incredible. 
the on the first one with you know you you want to there's there's no substitute for good real estate i would imagine the challenge is that for beginning investors they in the the words out on what good real estate is because like mm-hmm. you said you and i could drive by drive down the street look at property and say wow that's in a damn good location right. or you know, the opposite, and it's really tucked away, and it'd be tough to tough to drive traffic to this location. Um, so, for a beginning investor, I would imagine it's more difficult to purchase those types of properties because they're more highly sought after from more experienced investors. Mm-hmm. So it's kind uh, of catch twenty two. Well, it, it is, but for the beginning investor, I wouldn't be starting on a a, a two million dollar retail center. You know, I would be starting on a three or four hundred thousand, or or half a million. I, you know, the the competitive forces are going to be gravitating towards larger transactions, uh, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend the first timer to go head to head against a seasoned veteran, unless they're willing to pay a big price for it. Uh, but if but if you have a hard property for a beginning investor. That's a recipe, Joe. That's not a good scene. Uh, so, so then you 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 look at real estate characteristics on a smaller scale, and you be creative for the for the first timer competing against, especially in a in, in today's market. It's 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 uh, it's frothing up again. Um, I'm seeing it very quickly. We've reemerged very rapidly out of this cycle. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of liquidity chasing deals. Um, the first timer is going to have to be creative. The first timer might have to, uh, you know, turn over rocks to find the first deal or two. And turn over rocks would be cold calling uh, uh, a, a, a property owner to see if they have an interest level, or maybe going into a partnership. Maybe not doing it on their own, but but syndicating it very much like you did, Joe, uh, and and right. attract some outside capital to maybe go after some bigger deals. Uh, the the first timer is going to have to be creative. Maybe yep. lean on on family uh, or or inside information. Yep. And uh, and that's the way they're going to have to start out. And with the stick with what you know, um, I I think I I'm I'm going to guess your answer, but I just want to ask it anyway. Um, with all the different types of real estate class, or not classes, all the different types of real estate you can invest in from re- retail to industrial to multifamily, what's, since you said you're the one that does see the numbers, um, what's the one right now that's making the most money? I would say, you know, uh, almost without a doubt, uh, apartments. Multifamily is is a property type that for many years uh, languished in the shadows of single-family housing. So if you think back from, say, like 1995 through 2005, 2007, those were extremely aggressive years for single-family housing development. And a lot of people uh, gravitated towards home ownership and away from uh, multifamily uh, tenancy, and as a result, the uh, the rent appreciation 
that many investors experienced uh, as owners of multifamily housing was flat at best. So then you have the bubble pop and all of these people lose their homes and they end up, they, they have to go somewhere. They either go back home or they go into a, a multi-tenant housing, uh, multi-family apartment living. And so what we've seen of recent and say the last five years is pretty aggressive rent appreciation and uh, uh, rather sizable uh, uh, absorption of vacant units. So I'm I'm saying globally across the United States we're seeing the convergence of of the, the pure economics of what happened in housing uh, with also demographic shifts. Uh, so today, uh, at least in in the Midwest, uh, Cincinnati in particular, there's just a a, a positive uh, vibe and flow. Uh, that we're experiencing in our portfolio, which is probably about $500, $600 million of our portfolio is multifamily. And it's doing extremely well. Uh, rent appreciation, near 100% occupancy. Uh, it, it's probably one of the easier uh, asset classes to manage. Uh, so when you have one tenant go dark, it's not like it's 30% of your building, you know, it's one unit out of 100. Uh, and there's someone standing right behind that person ready to rent that unit, maybe 25 bucks more a month. So uh, my response to that would be undoubtedly uh, multifamily is where you want to be today. That's what not about to say in the next five years. Yeah, and that I was anticipating that question. I was going to say, and that's not to say that five years from now it's going to be the same. I don't see demographics changing. the 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 wrinkle that we'll experience, and it's 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 apparent uh, with the new construction that's occurring, is the amount of new units that is coming online uh, to absorb that uh, new tenant base, uh, and. Uh, and I can even say then, you know, five years from now, I don't see anything that really spooks me, you know, certainly within a five-year time frame, but even beyond that. If you don't get caught up with a mentality of severe leverage, uh, which, by the way, again, leverage is what I sell, uh, but if you don't get caught up with an over-leveraged property, you maintain a little bit of room uh, you can withstand whatever storm is thrown at you uh, by way of softening of rents, softening of occupancy, or increased expenses. Uh, you know, because I, as a lender rep, I'm going to be there with my hand out saying, I'm paid first, or I'm going to take this property back. So as long as you don't over leverage, you're going to be okay for the foreseeable future. And okay. and and it's the and it's probably the the most reasonable uh, means of getting in commercial real estate. Again, you know, you and I can go buy a four-unit building, and we can call that multifamily investment. It's a four-family building. You buy it for a couple hundred thousand dollars, and you're off to the races. You build that kind of portfolio, and over time, 
uh, you look back and you go, oh, geez, you know, uh, after 10 years, I've got 100 units, and uh, that's a good thing. Yep. So it's it's the the easiest course of entry for the first timer as well. Okay. It's certainly easier than buying an office building for a couple million bucks, uh, with a lot of 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 uh, competition and and uh, uh, rollover risk with with tenancy. So. All right. Let's let's dive into the best ever lightning round. So I'm going to fire some quick quick response questions at you. You ready? Sure, let's go. All right. Best ever book you've read? Uh, Missing Links by Rick O'Reilly. Rick O'Reilly was a, that's probably a surprising read for for, for a response, but Rick O'Reilly used to be a writer for Sports Illustrated. Oh, yeah. He, he wrote this book called Missing Links, and it's a simple little book, but uh, it's I, I just found it uh, hilarious. I'm surprised okay. it's not a movie. Missing yeah. Links by Rick O'Reilly. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I know he always had the last page of the Sports Illustrated. That's exactly um, right. Exactly yeah, right. I, I know his stuff. Best ever place to visit. Hey, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You can throw a dart at any Caribbean beach. <laughs> ah, dude, enough. I'm just telling you. Just go to the beach in the Caribbean, and and just the water and the clarity and the snorkeling. That's where I want to be right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, this is the highlight of your week. This conversation, but oh, after Joe. the conversation, you want to. Uh, right? You're you're right on, dude. Right yeah, on. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. Best ever success habit that you practice. You know, uh, I'm gonna say this one takes a long time uh, to to pay dividends. Uh, but in my business, I don't bullshit people. Uh, honesty is most definitely the reward that comes over many years of, of plying a trade. And when people get to a level of trust, uh, especially in my business, you, you've got a client for life. So, you know, hard work and honesty, but just be honest and uh, you'll be all right. Okay. Best ever internet resource or any other type of resource for investing. All right, so I'm going to go off the board on this one, too. Uh, and I use this tool all the time. It's called Google Earth. And and when I, if you remember, when I said earlier on, there's no substitute for good real estate characteristics, if you're zeroing in on a property, you get on Google Earth and, and you, you hone into that property, it'll tell you the story. Google Earth, uh, the bird's eye will give you every direction. It'll give you the uh, competing properties. It'll give you uh, traffic and y you name it. Uh, so that's an off-the-board answer, but I use it a lot in what I do. Does it give you, you said traffic, does it give you traffic count? Well, it doesn't, but, but for example, uh, you can get on there and you can see, you know, if you again, that retail deal. Um, what you want to do with a retail deal is you want to scan out because a retail deal draws from a three- to five-mile radius. And you can pull demographics, Joe, uh, and, and, and those demographics will, will clarify on paper. But when you zoom out uh, on Google Earth and you look at the trade area of a retail deal and you see rooftops, that's important. 
And then you can you can literally see the traffic flows from those rooftops by that property. And if you're on a five-lane highway, there you go. You see the cars on the highway. When you look at the parking lot, if you look at a mall parking lot on Google Earth and you don't see cars, you scratch your head. But if you see you see a lot of cars in the parking lot, you go, all right, that's that's a good scene. That's telling me something. And then you go kick the tires. You go physically see the property, and that supplements the story. But when I get a phone call, and Joe, when you call me on the next deal, you're going to say, Mike, here's what I'm looking at. I'm going to get on Google Earth, and I'm going to be able to, I'm going to, be able to tell you 80% of that property's story just by, just by looking at that vehicle. All right. Well, next time I have a deal, I will look at it on Google Earth before, and then I will give you. You better be prepared, because yeah, story time. Yeah. There you go. You you can get sit next to a fire, and and uh, then I'll just tell you a nice little eighty percent story. There you go. What's the best ever quote? Uh, this is this is uh, this is my sons are hikers. Uh, not all who wander are lost. And uh I just appreciate that uh that quote. I don't know who said it, uh, but I've seen it on bumper stickers, I've seen it on T shirts, <laughs> and my sons live by it, uh, as they're out hiking the Appalachians and points beyond. Not who all that. not all who wander are lost. I love that. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Okay. Um and then to wrap this up. Uh, but before we do, what is the best ever place to reach you? Well, uh, bluemarkcapital.com. Uh, that's my contact information in there. I'm the first ugly dude you see on the contact page. You've got and, some ridiculous uh, facial hair that I'm jealous of. You know, I don't know. We hey, we just re we just redid our website. And uh, we wanted to make sure our entire staff was on there. And uh, yeah, it's it's goofiness, but uh, I'm all for it, man. I'm I'm a cartoon character for the most part. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. All right, I, Joe. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Not a problem. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, you, best ever listener, do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.